Warning. This podcast may contain spoilers from whatever TV show or movie is mentioned. Please listen at your own discretion. Welcome to Viewers Anonymous. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? Welcome. I am Scoots Bronson. And I am S. Dot Foster. And this, and this is, is Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> what's up with you, bro? Hey, man. I can't tell you how excited I am about to do this episode, man. Like, this, you are, man. this is one of my, like, literally top three movies, man, yeah. that we doing today. That's and I'm excited to do that. That's what's up, man. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, you know what I'm saying? This is our classic episode. You know what I'm saying? We're doing Juice today. Um, so for all those who don't know, Juice is, um, what they would call a hood classic. And, uh, that bad boy stood the test of time, man. 1992. Yep. That's, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? For that shit to be going along, it, it had some, uh, it had a, a all-star cast. You know what I'm saying? I went back and looked at a few people that was in the cast. Just to give y'all um, a few names, uh, Omar Epps, Tupac Shakur, Jermaine Hopkins, Khalil Kane, Sam Jackson, Tretch from Naughty by Nature, Pete Rock was uh, mentioned in the movie. I don't even think he was actually in the movie, though. Um, Flex Alexander, Donald Faison, Queen Latifah, Fab Five, Freddy, Ed Lover, Dr. Dre, EPMD, and even Orange Juice Jones was in the movie. So that's just to give y'all a few uh, stars who uh, was on the rise in the 90s, uh, who was in that movie. Um, but real quick, you know what I'm saying, you want to give them a synopsis about what the movie's about, bro? Yeah, man. I mean, from from the way that I took and one name you forgot to mention, which he wasn't in the movie, but he did the theme song, was Rakim, man. Oh, yeah, of course. That's, Rakim, man, that's, that's Rakim, one of the best. Oh, my God, man. Know the ledge, man. One one of the classic songs, man. I I, I caught on to it late, but it's like when it, when Juice come on, it it, it just it just hits you, man. It, like, you you want to know on. what you want to know what uh what podcast intro made me uh find out about that fucking song? It was uh tax season when that shit come on to come say hi to the bad guy. He they got that shit remixing. If you ever go back and listen oh. to tax season podcast, yeah, that shit. Every oh, time okay. I hear that, I can get Juice. Damn, I, I never listened to Tax, but yeah, but yeah, man. I mean, I took it as you know, four friends, man. They they were just really just hustling, you know, trying to trying to make a come up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In the in the city of New York, and all of them had their different challenges. All of them had you know their different thing that was going on. But I felt like it was just a bond, a friendship, and the way that I took it, you know, the way that he used it, he used it, he used the word juice. So I felt like one person, you know, once he, I think he was already close to the ledge, but in my interpretation from him getting a gun in his hand, that, that really changed everything for me, which, which is really a bitch, which is really a bitch move. Like yeah, one of those right. type of things where it's like, you be like, oh, like a person talks shit to you and it's like, oh, well, you talking shit because you got a gun in your hand type thing. <laughs> like he really did like a bitch move at the end of yeah. the day. But, you know what I'm saying? But you could tell he always had it in him, but he had issues with his father and stuff like that. But I, I looked at it as, you know, like he had, you know, problems with his dad and he couldn't get out of his own neighborhood. 
mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, without running in the Ron Man's. Then, you know what I'm saying, you had Steel. Steel was just really – it felt like Steel, he he just hung out with them because they was cool. Like, right. Steel – Because they all grew up together. Yeah, because they all grew up together, went to school together. So, you know, they just had a bond. You know, Q had his own thing of, you know, trying to, you know, be more than a local DJ. And then he you was had. The, he was the Ricky of the group. Yes. I didn't Q think about it East that Oak. way. Yeah, Q was the East Yes. Oak, bro. <laughs> Damn, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. yeah and, and, and Raheem, you know what I'm saying? He got his girl problems and all that type shit. You know, he was the ladies' man of the group. I got a, I got a theory about Raheem, bro. Raheem was held back. Okay. Shoot. Raheem had to be a senior. He had a kid. You know what I'm saying? He was he was running the street. That nigga looked older than the whole group, and he was lucky the leader of the group too. And he was telling niggas what to do, bro. And it seemed like for some odd reason they had this vibe where they was just following whatever Raheem did. He just seemed like the leader of the pack. I think Raheem was held back, bro. Yeah, well, he was the leader of the pack. Everything mm-hmm. that he said, they always listened to him. Right. And, you know, even this, even this, you know, little shit like. Hey, it's your turn to go get the cigarettes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. like, they would just roll with it. You know what I'm saying? Like when Raheem said, Hey, we're not doing this. And they would like, you know, Bishop would give him a little pushback. But he'd be like, No, we're not doing this. Yeah, and then they'll, they'll, they'll go off like, what he cool. said. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And then when he was gone, that's when it was, it was, it was one of those things where that was something Raheem could not control. Once Bishop got his hand on the gun, why he couldn't he couldn't control the situation anymore? Yeah, he should have listened to Q. Q told him like, bro, don't let that nigga have a gun, man. That nigga ain't stable, but he ain't want to listen. And you know what I'm saying? He was trying to let the little heat die down from when they was arguing and steal Mama house. That's the one thing um, to me. I think that was the turning point of the movie when he was uh, when Tupac or I'm sorry when Bishop was watching the movie. Um, I forgot what the movie was called, but the little uh, black and white movie they was watching. Yeah, and he was. You know what I'm saying? He was saying he was getting fired up. Like, see, that's how you got to do it. He went out on his own terms. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was giving him that speech. And then when he looked outside, he seen Rodimaz, and he was just like, you know what, man? I'm sick of this bullshit. I'm sick of running from every motherfucking body, bro. We shouldn't have to be like this. Like, you know what I'm saying? He felt like that they was bigger than, you know what I'm saying, what they were showing. So I think that was, like, the turning point of the movie. And the one thing I did like about the movie was – um they show everybody's backstory without really showing and giving us a lot about their backstory. You kind of knew what everybody was kind of going through. You kind of knew everybody's role just by seeing how they all was in the beginning. Like, you you knew Raheem, he came from a pretty decent household, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, he was still, like, you know, so you could tell how he was the leader and the, and the father figure. And then in his house, and then you seen Q. Q was, he was the one that was going to make it. You know what I'm saying? He had the mom that was always on his ass, always telling him, to, you know what I'm saying, strive to be better. She was talking about going to the one, the, the one acne school or whatever, so he could learn how to get a trade. Then you seen, um, still, still household was cool. You know what I'm saying? He had two parents in the house. You know what I'm saying? He had a bunk bed. He was sleeping over his old little brother and shit like that. And then you had. Why is this big ass nigga sleeping on the top bunk, man, when hey, his brother's getting in bed? I, I have no idea, but that's what I was confused about, too. But I'm like, how this nigga get the top bunk, man? I'm not sleeping on that top bunk, man. Man, look, I, I've always had a thing with bunk beds, man. It, yeah. it, still, but too damn big to be sleeping in that top Wait, bunk, man, with that little brother. Wait, he was too big to be in the bunk bed, period. He could, he, top bunk bottom, he's yeah. way too big for that shit, man. Yeah, I just, I was <laughs> trying to hit him, but go ahead, man. You, you was going and on, bitch. I just had to say that. 
Yeah, <laughs> and then you had Bishop, who, like you said, you know what I'm saying, you could tell him and his dad had a, a strained relationship, even though, you know what I'm saying, he, you could tell he had a, a good relationship with his grandmother. Apparently, their mom wasn't there, so I'm assuming something kind of happened between his dad and his mom. His dad really ain't say nothing in that opening scene, but, you know what I'm saying, he still had love for his dad. So you could kind of tell, like, how everybody had their own, you know, some little backstory, and they told it without actually telling it, and I thought that was super fucking dope. Yeah, that was that, that was very dope, man. Cause it could, and it was the beginning of the movie, like right mm-hmm. out the jump, they showing mm-hmm. you, and it, and it was really it was really genius. Even the part of tying in the school where was still was walking, you know, he put his book bag out to the side, mm-hmm. you know, took the stereo or whatever, and then he's walking down the road, and then he's seeing everybody he go to school with, and he's you know, yep. hey man, make sure you take them notes for me, nah nah nah. And then his mm-hmm. mom would have called him out, say he didn't make his bed. But ruined this whole thing. He's trying to get a girl number, man. She fucked his own. Yeah, he's trying to get a number, and mom, that that just completely ruined that plan, man. Man, tell him to come make his bed. Like, really, mom? You had to yell down here for me to make my bed. And then you know, and but you know, I want to go. We probably shouldn't start there, but you mentioned it, and I can't get it off my head. Okay. For me, that that was a turning point of the movie, you know. But you also got to include. You know, the boss scene when, so Raheem asked Q to go in and get a cigarette. Cause he see a girl walking in now. Now Raheem want to go in and be like, nah, you already asked me to go in. So mm-hmm. Q went in there, you know, he failed, but that's a whole other thing. Cause he already got a woman, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? They oh, run into his old friends. Yo. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, what's my man's name? Blizzard, man. It's Blizzard. Blizzard. Yeah. They ran into Blizzard. His name was Bob. Barnett Blizz Jenkins. R.I.P. to Barnett Blizz Jenkins. This episode was <laughs> man. God damn. All he was trying to do was get a dollar, man. Trying to get a dollar, man. Trying to get a dollar. And told girl. Now, the all-time part, he was like, he was like, everybody, strip. And he was like, he, he was like you hurry up, because you look good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I thought I was going to die. Hey, yeah, that's so, Blizzard, so, Blizzard robbed the store, and... and you know, so Q come out. He's like, "Yo, Blizzard in there robbing the store right now." Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Bishop like, "Man, let's go in there and get a piece of the action." Like I said, Raheem, nah. Yeah. He was like, "We're not doing this." He was like, "That dude is going down, and none of us is going down with him." Mm-hmm. So, you know, fast forward to where he was watching the film. He's watching the uh, black and white film, and then you know, and then he looked out the window. Was like, "Man, we ain't shit." You know, so I talk about how we running from everybody and all this type right. stuff. So Q and them they get in the fight. And then, you know, but the iconic part was when he was like, you know, if we were to say, well, Blizzard, he was like, it would have been five dead niggas instead of one. Exactly. And then he was like, you ain't got nothing to say now. And so, and Bishop just had this this mentality of like, really getting money at any means necessary. Like, he was just really tapped out of like, dude, we doing like this little hustling at, this, at, the, at the ballroom or whatever you want to call it. He was like, we're not really making any money. Right. You know, Bishop just got to the point of like, you know, really like after that, because wait a minute. Well, the way I interpreted it was that 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 scene and, and you said it perfectly. That that was the turning point of the movie. Yeah. It was after, after when that what happened in Steele's apartment was the turning point of the movie. And they broke now, the I don't know what face, the, man. Man, he broke the vase, but I'm more concerned about what the hell he was cooking in them damn eggs, man. 
That was uh, he was cooking bacon and eggs. I don't know how the hell you cook. But that wasn't no bacon. He was like forty in there too. That nigga was cooking that shit with beer, man. (laughs) (laughs) That shit was crazy, man. But yeah, that was that was the turning point to me. That was the turning point in the movie. And and the one great thing about this movie, and what a lot of people don't seem to understand is, I think if you tie it into like music, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people say, when it comes to these dudes that come from the street, a lot of their greatest music came early when they were still hungry, right? So. Because you view life different, you're more hungry, you don't really got the money, and you're using the least amount of materials, you know what I'm saying, to get what you want. Because, like, now, you know, they they got the studio, most of them got studios in their house, you know, their living expenses are different, like, everything is different. And what Ernest Dickerson was able to do, because I believe that the budget that they had, it was, I mean, dude, I don't even think they had, like, $5 million. Like, to make Like, it it was a very low-budget movie. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, the people wasn't known, because people don't seem to realize, like, this is 92, like you said. Tupac's first album came out, I think it it was either at the end of 92 or 93. And Tupac wasn't really known. Omar Epps, you know, he was on The Breakfast Club, and it was his first movie coming out of college. Mm -hmm. Well, not even college. He was in high school. He said he was 17 years old when they did that film. Mm-hmm. So he was 17, and like like I say, Tretch, not of my nature, was a you know a well known group at that time. Mm-hmm. So Tretch came in, Tretch came in to do the part of Bishop, right. and so the uh, you know the director was like, well, who's the dude with you? He's like, oh man, that's that's just my you know my guy Tupac or whatever. So I don't know what ended up happening, but it was like, well, won't you try you know to do you know these lines or whatever, and then they mm-hmm. end up. I kind of, I don't know if I feel bad for Trench or not, but now that we've seen it, mm. I don't think Trench would have been able to pull off Bishop. No, well, but I, I do know, I do know that they fucked Trench up because they put they put that nigga in the Oakland Raiders hat and they uh, made that nigga ride with Rodman. So you know what I'm saying? And he had a Jerry curl. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking that Tupac would have been, you know, Trench character. Nah, and, nah. See what they, I'm saying? They, like they, don't they, even, they made the right decision. Yeah, they made the right decision. Yeah, like it don't even it don't even match up. But like, and another comparison I have is like one of my favorite like horror movies of all time is the is the very first Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. that came out in seven seventy eight, okay. and I watched a documentary on it, and like it was the same situation. Like they only had like five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Nobody really wanted to approve it, and they had the least amount of material. Jamie Lee Curtis was not no well-known actress at the time, mm-hmm. you know. So they were just taking these new young people, and they was able to create a classic with the least amount of material. Right. Now, if you look at the, you know, the, the whole lineup of all the Halloween movies, to me, the first one still was the best one. Well, but that's really how it is. The first one is always the best one. Yeah, but they had the least amount of material. So I think that they was able to get a large budget and able to get, like, I can't even think of any actors in 92 that was big that would have been that age to be able to play those roles. I think that really the only one that was well known at that time was Steel. That's because we seen him in Lean On Me. Lean Lean On Me is a classic. You know what I'm saying? So I think that with, with the low budget that they had, 
I think that's one of the reasons why this movie was so good because all of these guys was hungry mm-hmm. at the time. And then you had somebody like Tupac who, and Omar Epps told this story on the Breakfast Club also where he wrote and did the song Brenda Got a Baby on set. Well, I, that probably inspired him to do that shit too because if you think about the story of it all, you got to remember, like Raheem had a baby. That's yep. I think that was the that was one of the things that um, that a lot of people probably ain't go back and well, if you go back and look, you kind of forget that in the in the midst of the movie because remember at the beginning when they all going to meet up to go skip school, you know, what I'm saying he he looking for Raheem, or Q looking for Raheem, and then he come around the corner and he see him talking to his baby mom. And then, you know what I'm saying, of course, she was a dirt ball and walked off on him because he had another girlfriend, but they weren't together. You know what I'm saying? But but Raheem had the baby, and then, you know what I'm saying, of course, if you, well, it ain't no spoiler alert by now. Raheem got shot. Next thing you know, his girlfriend was uh, by by herself. And then, um, what was his girlfriend's name? Damn, I can't remember her name. Wasn't it like Keisha or Kaniqua? No, it, wasn't, it was Keisha, wasn't it? I think it, I think it, I think it was Keisha because he said her name like once when he grabbed her arm because she was trying yeah. to walk away with, him. and then she's telling him, "I don't want my kid to be fucked up like you and your yeah. fucked up friends." Yeah, like, her name was Keisha. Up, man. Cause, uh, cause Q, Q girl was Yolanda. Yep, Yolanda. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, what was what was the one chick still was supposed to hit Donna? Uh, Callaway or Cartaway or some shit like that. <laughs> well, they said it used to be Donald. Donald, <laughs> yeah. Donald Caldwell or some shit. Yeah, that shit was crazy. But yeah, I mean, I, I could I could see him getting that inspiration off of the fact that you know, what I'm saying Raheem died and now she's a single mom, she's young. You know, what I'm saying we don't really know too much about her, but you know, what I'm saying I can see how he got that from that. Yeah, if he did use that as inspiration. Yeah, because we really only seen her three times. When they were having an argument at the beginning, mm-hmm. then he seen her getting in the car with Cody, yep. and then we yeah. saw her at the, at, the, at, the, at the wake or whatever. Yep, after the film. So that yep. was it. Like, we didn't see her no more. Like, we seen that baby twice. But yep. Rocky was just really in, you know, industry trying to, you know, trying to make money, all that type shit. So, but I don't know, like, like I mean, do you want to take it from the beginning or just really just Keep flowing. I mean, we can we we can go from where we at, man. You know what I'm saying? Like we was talking about, it's the it was the um the, the turn of events when he seen the movie. Then you know what I'm saying? I, I guess Bishop kind of pressured Raheem into going to get a gun for the group and doing the um I guess it was Bishop's idea to go do the robbery, um which which kind of sucked, man, because it kind of showed how how much of uh. It kind of showed how how not how much but how less of friends uh, less of friends that they were. You know what I'm saying? Q had a chance to go DJ and really make something of itself, and instead, like these niggas was like, "Yo, fuck out that DJ shit. Let's go get this money and let's rob this nigga." And he was doing like he he was actually doing fucking great. You know what I'm saying? When he was at the DJ concert, they was chanting his name and shit. This nigga he walk in, he talked to Queen Latifah. She like, "Yeah, I want you here." Da da da. And like this nigga showed the fuck out against the champion who was there last time. So you know what I'm saying? Oh like, yeah. I thought that was you know so I thought that was kind of shitty, man. You know, and then like you know he was you know he was boning his girl. Let's not skip over that. He was being taken advantage of by that woman, 
And that one <laughs> Yeah, because how the fuck old was she, man? This girl was a full-out nurse, dude. Listen, that shit was so crazy because at first, like, when he was sitting on the couch talking to the dude, I thought this nigga was, like, at a job interview. But... That was like a subject. <laughs> like, nigga, that was a husband, like, man. I said, yo, I said, this shit is nuts. My nigga is boning cougar twat, bro. Like, he's really getting cougar cheeks out here, bro. This nigga killed me as a man. Because I'm, I'm try, I was trying to figure That's the one thing I could not figure out to this day. Because dude looked like he was like 35. He, he looked like her daddy. He, yeah, and she looked like she was about 25, but Q was 17. It's like. Q was the like, man, bro. Q was the man, dude. Man, bro. And then Yolanda was the baddest girl in the movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, she was cold, bro. She was yeah. cold. Yeah. She was cold. But, yeah, you know what? I never thought about it that way. Because, see, this is the thing. They used him as the alibi. Mm-hmm. You know, they was like, okay, well, what time you got a DJ? He was like, and you know, I got... And then that's how they fucking got caught. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Like, really, what really fucked them up was Bishop. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why they gave Bishop the gun, man. Bishop never needed the gun from the jump. Man, like, they, that... they should have never had to rob that shit, man. Bishop was, uh, he was a loose cannon for real, man. Like, that nigga, when they was... Saying he was crazy, that shit showed. That nigga was crazy. He he was definitely crazy. Man, he was and crazy that, and it shit. is now, now if, if you're gonna do crimes, like mm-hmm. this is the thing. Q was never really down for it. Mm-hmm. But it, it, if you're gonna be doing dirt, right? It's always great to have an alibi. Right. So that was one smart thing was to like okay. You, you know, you're doing the DJ thing. We could just say we was at the club the whole time. You know what I'm saying? And all this type of stuff. And we're not going to have no issues. Well, well, the problem became is when Bishop shot the dude for no reason and then well, no tried to say. No fucking reason, bro. They, no they reason. Was out of their clean, bro. They was out of their clean, bro. I can't believe he fucked that up. And then he shot. And then he was like, we know who we was. Then he said it still. Now, I should I should have listened for it. But he said it still said one of their names. Are oh, you talking about in the um in the interrogation when they No, 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 no. When, oh, when they no, was in the store. He was asking for the batteries. Yeah. yeah. He said that he said his name and he was like, you know, he was like, man, he know who he was and so he would have been able to turn us in. Yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't listen to see if he did, but that's what Bishop said. Bishop could have been saying that just to make an excuse to say, right. this is why I shot him. Because, you know, they said, you know, said our names or whatever he knew we were. But like that whole thing, I never looked at it as like that was fucked up what they did to Q because this is the thing. Now I, I never DJ before. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much but I would imagine a lot of it's mental. Mm-hmm. And so now Q got to go up here thinking in the back of his head, like, man, you know what I'm saying? I got to do my thing right quick. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sitting here battling the, the, the best DJ in the city of New York. Right. And then I got to, you know, as soon as I'm done, I got to go rob the store and then come back and act like mm-hmm. nothing even happened. Mm-hmm. Now, we didn't get to see his performance after that, but to, you know what I'm saying? But to rock the place the way that he did with that on his mind, like a lot of people probably wouldn't think about that. I know this is a film. But at the same time, it's like, you know what I'm saying? The mental mentality of a person, like, that's something you can't just get off your mind. Like, man, we about to go rob a store here in 10 minutes. 
and I got to sit here and not embarrass myself in front of all these people in this club. Right, right. Well, see, I felt like, you know what I'm saying, once he was once he was doing this DJ thing, man, he was getting in his groove because, like, even if you, you know what I'm saying, when he had went home and he got done talking to uh, Raheem, you know what I'm saying, he went in the room and he put his headphones on and he just got in his groove and started mixing and mastering and doing his uh, tape for the audition, like, you could see, like, that's where he, that's where his mind was at all times. Because even remember, like, when he be walking down the street, he just doing his movements. He just, you know what I'm saying, going through, moving yep. his hands. And yep. then when he was in the back room, he was doing it on the little uh, the little table. He was still doing his movement. So I think that, you know what I'm saying, like, at all times, like, that was always on his mind. Like, from, from the time he remember when he was, uh, when his mom woke him up, he had headphones on when he was asleep. When he was getting dressed, he had headphones on. When he went to go get Raheem, he had headphones on. So he was always in that mentality of doing music and DJing. I think the going to, you know, saying to rob the place, I think he kind of put that in the back of his mind because I think for real, for real, he was going to find a, he was trying to find a way to get out of it to begin with. Because remember when he went down, he like, yo, they loving me. Like, you know what I'm saying? What you want me to do? And then Raheem whispered whatever he whispered, and then it was what it was. Yeah. And then also when they was going down the street and he saw the, you know, the poster, Saying that this is what he's trying to go to, whatever, whatnot, and he was like, "Hey, and he, and this is the thing." He asked Raheem, "Hey, is it fine if we go to the record store and pick up some records mm-hmm. so I can make my demo tape?" He was like, "Is that cool with you?" You know what I'm saying? So then he yeah. run the interference and hollering at the girl with the gold tooth in the mouth. Yeah, that gold tooth man, that motherfucker was big as shit, man. And then she talking about she gonna get the whole front done. Like, she was wild. Man, she was wild in that store. And then now still, he just, man, this is like, what difference does it make? Still just wanted to get a few records, man, and, and Bishop telling him to put that shit down. No, I'm, like, I'm man, with him. Did you see the title of it, though? No, what was it? It was, I think it was a, a, a male man, I think. 
I think it was type of people. He looked, he looked like on. he had on the mailman uniform. Either that, he, either he was a mailman or he was like that working in the factory or something. Because I know he had a uniform on. Yeah, so it was like, so, but, you know, you look at Raheem. Raheem, he got the baby. It's, and it's like Raheem just seemed like he was always going to be going to those ballrooms and hustling mm-hmm. people. Like Bishop just, he didn't have anything. So Q was really the only one. Q, Q really was the man. I mean, Q yeah. got the old woman, you know what I'm saying, with a good job at the mm-hmm. hospital. He got the, mm-hmm. He's already a local DJ, so everybody yeah. knows who he is, just like when he was talking to my man in the pool hall, and he was like, uh, you know, he, he's hustling too. And he was mm-hmm. trying to sell DVD. He was like, yo, did you get Ronda skins? Oh, no, no, yeah. he, oh, yeah. no, he asked him, what did he say? He said that, uh, he said she's not your silver. He's like, nah, man, my mom shines the silver in my house. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't had no idea what that nigga was talking about. Yeah, no idea what he was talking about. And then when she said, did you get the skins? He was like, oh, yeah. It was like, well, $15, G. Yeah. So he was yeah, just like, yeah. you know, a couple more dollars. He was like, look, man, the last time I gave you a party tape, you got some ass. Mm-hmm. So, you know and the price go up. And it was so a recession, Q, man. He said it. It was a recession, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Q, Q, Q was the man. That shit. Q had, and you know what? And I, and I think Bishop, I think Bishop kind of knew that shit, too. Mm-hmm. I think Bishop kind of knew, like, damn, like, okay, Raheem might be the one calling the shots, but it's like, mm-hmm. really, Q's the only one that got anything going on. Because even in that scene, when they were sitting there, and Q was listening to that. He was listening to the the, uh, the thing that uh, Steel bought. Yeah. He, he was remember he was talking real loud. He was like, "Yo, you guys let me borrow this man." He was like, "I like yeah. this." And he was doing scratching. And then Tupac, uh, Tupac, then Bishop came and pulled his headphones off and was like, mm-hmm. "Look, man, you t- calm that shit down, you know." And they flipped. No, that was fucked up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he could have put the headphone back the right way, man. He was just yeah, he was man. just being angry. But uh, but yeah, Q Q was the man in that man. Like he, he don't get enough credit for the character that he played in that man. He he really he really did. I th- I think they did a great job of just navigating through um, you know what I'm saying through the lives of four dudes in Harlem, man. At at that time at least, and I thought that it was pretty cool because you know what I'm saying like it, it showed so much of the culture around New- or, or Harlem at the time. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the beef with the Puerto Ricans and, you know what I'm saying? Him talking, well, Bishop talking to Rodimaz and, you know what I'm saying? Like having that little, you know what I'm saying? Back and forth. And then, you know what I'm saying? You seen how the, you know what I'm saying? It was a transition from the old school to the new school when they was talking to Trip or even when Q went to go, um, talk to Sweets about getting a gun. Like, you know what I'm saying? He go, it, it was like he was going into a bootleg joint and, you know what I'm saying? Like they had, um, they had like, uh, who was that? Cameo playing. It was like, uh, tastes like candy or some shit like that. Who was, what, what song was it? Or was it like the Isleys or something? Uh, you talking about when he went to see Sweets? Yeah. I, I think it, it, I think it was, it's something about candy. Um, yeah, who did the song? Was that Roger? I think that was Roger. Uh, Troutman? I think that was Roger Troutman. I think no, they did this. It wasn't that. It was, uh, Candy is Cameo. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so, you know what I'm saying, they had, they had the, they had the transition of the old school into the new school, you know what I'm saying, you had, you had all the different cultures going around, you know what I'm saying, and then you, you know what I'm saying, like, they, now it's a bodega, but, you know what I'm saying, they was talking about going into the grocery store and robbing them and shit like that, so you, you kind of seen what life was like 
in in 1992 Harlem in that one at one hour and 47 something minutes of that film. And it really kind of shows you everything that's going on, you know what I'm saying, the music culture, you know what I'm saying, them going to the DJ parties, you know what I'm saying, them teaming up and having games and, and you know what I'm saying, dealing with the police. Like, even when he was like, uh, when they was asking him about the, um, when they was asking him about the patrols, he was like, yeah, they it's two patrols back to back, three minutes apart. Like, they knew down from the, you know what I'm saying, they knew from the back alleyways, the abandoned buildings. I mean, you could tell, like, they was really a part of that fucking community and how they grew up there, and they knew everything that was going on. Because remember, after he shot them, they ran through, like, four or five different fucking alleyways just to go to an abandoned space. And it really was they knew that was there. Yeah, it was, a um, well, I guess it was, like, the the... It was just another alley for real because that was they was inside the open space of a project building. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like they just kind of knew. You know what I'm saying? It, it just kind of showed you what was going on in Harlem in 1992 in that in that small time frame. And I thought that was pretty dope. The, even though, like you said, they didn't have a lot of uh, material, they didn't have a lot of funds for it. They did a great job with the not just the acting, but just the, the shooting, the, the cinematography of it all to be able to show you. You know what I'm saying? What that shit looked like. It looked like gritty ass Harlem in nineteen ninety two. You could tell like they wasn't in the suburbs. You knew they was in the ghetto. It felt like the ghetto looking at that shit. So I thought that was pretty sweet. Yeah, and then also the the the, the community part of it as far as, you know, uh what was what was Sam L name in that? Um uh, trip. Yeah, trip. Like, you know, even the one part of when he was talking to my one man he was like, man, she had a snappy nappy dugout. Was, you know what I'm saying? I ain't Jones. never heard, I ain't never heard nothing like that. Yeah, that was But well, that was from one, I think that's from a black, uh, explorer movie though. That's mm. where they got that. Mm. But like, like I say, like when, when Q went to go talk to him, when, um, the, and this is after Bishop already talked to him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, you know, me since I was little, he was like, you know, I ain't never killed nobody. He was like, I know yeah, a lot yeah. of killers. I know a lot of killers. Was, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, you know, he, every, you could tell that he was the guy that every, every, he dealt with everybody when they mm. was young and he seen a lot of people grow up. And so he was the guy that everyone would go to to pass messages because they know everybody. He's, he's the one dude in the hood that nobody's going to fuck with because everybody's cool with him. Exactly. Like that's, that's who he was in that film. Like his role wasn't big in that. But when you look at, you know what I'm saying, a community like Harlem was in that mm-hmm. time, like he, he was the guy that he was pretty much the guy that was untouchable. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He was the guy yeah. that's like, he was, you he know, was like the he, neutral ground. Yeah, exactly. He was the neutral ground of everything as, yeah. as far as, you know what I'm saying? The, the drug dealers, as far as, you know, the little kids trying to hustle, the teenagers mm-hmm. trying to hustle, all this type of stuff. He was the dude that was the middle ground of everything. And, when everything started to turn, when, you know, when after, so after they robbed the store, you know what I'm saying, they they run down to the one, because they went to two different ones. They go to the first abandoned uh, little, I don't know what you call it. It just seemed like it probably alleyway. used to be like a business. Yeah. Alleyway. Yeah. And so they're down there, they're arguing or whatever, and, you know, and. Finally, Raheem asked for the gun, and he was like, "No, he was like, I'm, he's, I'm holding on to the gun, so I don't feel like it." So Raheem, okay, was it a bad move for Raheem to try to take the gun? I I don't know because I, I felt like you know what I'm saying him being the leader, he he felt like he could overpower Bishop, and you know what I'm saying. And, and to me, I felt like Bishop was a bitch. 
until he got the gun. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because even when I know I'm jumping back, you know what I'm saying? So he runs into Ronda Man's at the beginning of the movie. Bishop mm-hmm. does. And then, you know, and I always like how he said, Bishop. Like, yeah. he always say his, like his name out. That shit was funny. So then, like, you know, you could tell the relationship they had. And, you know, he put the knife to his nose and all this type of mm-hmm. stuff. And, and, you know, like Bishop said a few smart things, but he didn't, you know what I'm saying? It seemed like he didn't go too far. But then mm-hmm. when he seen Raheem and Q, that's when he starts talking shit. Because he knew, he had he knew Raheem was yeah. coming saving. So then, you know what I'm saying, to fast forward back to that, I think that Raheem figured that was the only way to get the gun back. He had to forcefully take the gun back. But mm-hmm. I don't think Raheem was thinking that Bishop would actually shoot him. Right. But I think it was the best move to try to take it because he, he asked for it, and Bishop was like, no, I'm keeping it. So he was, And then Raheem was like, nah, you know what I'm saying, I'm taking it. So he goes to take it, and he shoots him in the chest. So then – they run to another alleyway. You know what I'm saying? And go, go down there. To the abandoned building. Yeah, so then they go yeah. down there, and then and and then that's when Bishop was like, you never run up on somebody with a gun. He was like, I don't give a damn who you are. And, you know, trying, still, trying to like, convince himself. Yeah, yeah, he was trying to convince himself and try to convince them. It was like, yeah. man, you never run up on nobody like that. And then still was like, man, but that's Raheem, though. He was like, I don't give a fuck who it is. I think it does. If y'all been cool since y'all been in the second grade, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You made a move that really jeopardized the whole group. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, armed robbery and murder. Now, don't get me wrong, you're still gonna get a lot of time on robbery. Mm-hmm. But armed robbery with murder, you, you, you jeopardized everybody's future. Look, it was, the, first off, let me say it was a bad decision to rob the store anyway. Exactly. Okay. Let me get that out of the way. But at the same time, he changed the risk and the charges by mm-hmm. shooting at no reason. So then he's trying to convince them to say, look, man, you know, that was Raheem, though. He was like, I don't give a fuck who it is. And then that's when we really, really, like, we seen the turning point. We seen it coming. But this is yep. when it, when it, it, and when it made the complete 180 is when he shot Raheem and tried to convince himself, you never run up on anybody with a gun. Yeah, and that's man. when we, and 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 that really that that completely broke up the group. And then the way he killed Steel was some trash shit too. But I felt like the, the him killing Steel was his way of uh, setting up Q. Because if you if you pay attention to it, he took Steel to that little alley and then he took him downstairs in that little section dog spot when he killed when he shot him first. And then when he ran off, and then when you seen Q walking up to trip uh, spot. Uh, still was still down there. He was shot. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, yep. he got up and walked out into the street. I thought that he was gonna get up and go. You know what I'm saying? Like if somebody was gonna find him, the police was gonna come and get Bishop. But of course, we know that ain't how the movie ended up panning out. Um, so then you know what I'm saying? Him and him and uh, Q get into it after Bishop kept trying to. You know what I'm saying? He was basically stalking these niggas and trying to find them. So after he killed Still. You know what I'm saying? Q was like, I gotta stop this nigga. It's time for this nigga to take this L. And then he went, told Trip, you know what I'm saying? Him and Trip had that conversation, gave Trip that little payoff, and then he told him, meet him up under the bridge. Now the crazy shit was, this nigga, uh, Bishop ended up becoming like a, a serial killer like Michael Myers, cause he just stepped out of that little dark area out of nowhere. And he got the, uh, you know what I'm saying? He got, he got the one up on Q. He had put the gun to the back of his head. I was like, man, where the fuck this nigga come? Now this nigga been sitting there this whole time. 
And finally, when Q get up and he, he sees some shit, then he walk out and get him. So that little that whole scene from when that happened to when they was fighting and they was running and they got on the elevator. I seen what Q did too. You know what I'm saying? He tested his game. He was like, "So you just gonna shoot me on the elevator?" That was a smart move because he knew he was gonna react to it. So he dropped the gun. He lose the gun. They go up to the roof. They get into the scrap, and then of course Bishop fall up over the side of the roof. And then he tell Q not to let him go. Q was, you know what I'm saying, I don't know how believable Q was when he was like, I'm trying to hold you, man, you know what I'm saying, I'm trying to get you. I think Q uh, Q was just like, nah, fuck this nigga, and he dropped him. But, you know what I'm saying, that's for everybody else to decide. And then um, that's the end of the movie. Bishop dies, and then uh, whoever that dude was, I don't know where the fuck he came from, but he was like, you got the juice now. And um, if he was up there the whole time, why did he try to break that shit up? Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> like where did this nigga come from? Where did he come from? Now, you covered a lot of ground there. Yeah. And to go back to the 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 mind state of Bishop, Bishop shows up to the wake like like it ain't, ain't no problem. Oh yeah, you know he was like yeah, he was like he he was really trying to find who did it. He knew who did it, but he was trying to really find who did it. Yeah, it didn't have the nerve. It did the one part that pissed me off, but I, I get what they was doing in the film mm-hmm. was the mom because the mom was working, 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 yeah. working, working, yeah. working, trying, trying to keep her mind off of it. And then for some odd reason, she broke down for Bishop. And it's like, remember, because he he was the one he was the one that was talking about it. Everybody else was kind of leaving her alone, not really saying too much to her. They were just more so trying to help her out. But when Bishop got to talking, and you know what I'm saying, he was just basically going and reminiscing on everything. Because he was like, you know, what I'm saying he was one of my best friends. You know, what I'm saying we grew up together. And, you know, da da da. And remember, he went out, even went up to his sister, like, you know, what I'm saying if I find out who did this, the police they ain't gonna need the police to go get him. You know, what I'm saying we gonna do it. So he was basically giving that sentimental feel to her. And then, like, when she felt that, you could tell, like, she just was going through it. Like, damn, I really lost my fucking son. Yeah. And, like, and, and, um, cause, like, what I'm doing now is, um, cause this is where I'm going. I, I, I got, I got a game plan here. Cause okay. I've heard that there's a, a, a alternate, alternate ending okay. of what happened on the roof. Okay, so he goes to the wake, you know, saying to lead the wake, and then Q actually goes to school now. <laughs> He's like, I ain't got shit else to do, so I'm gonna go yeah, to school. Yeah, yeah. So then he goes to school to get his locking number. Then your boy, what's his name? Light skin dude. Yeah, Faison. He was in there. He was like, damn, dude, it's been that long. Yeah. And so, cause he couldn't open up his locker, and then he shuts his locker, and they go Bishop. And so Bishop, like, man, like, you know where you been? Nah, nah, nah. And and so, you know, then he played the tough talk thing while they in school, because I think he was just thinking, well, you know, Bishop ain't going to shoot me in school. He was like, man, you ever pull a gun on me again, I'll fucking kill you and all this well, shit. I, I, I and, think at that point, it was he was just sick and tired of, of dealing with the, the shit that Bishop was putting up, I mean, he was giving, you know what I'm saying? Like, at that point, he was just like, man, everybody know Bishop pussy for real, you know what I'm saying? Everybody know he ain't about that shit. He get, you know what I'm saying, hemmed up by Rodimans every motherfucking day. So, why is this motherfucker acting tough now? All of a sudden, he got the gun. And he probably, like you said, he figured he ain't had a gun in school. So, yeah, I'm going to beat your motherfucking ass. Because when they was at Steel, uh, Steel Parents' house, uh, nigga, Q was getting the best of that nigga. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And so then that's when he told him the whole little thing. That's when he did the speech of, you know what I'm saying, the you ain't shit speech. He was like, 
And he was like, man, he was like, I ain't shit. I ain't never going to be shit. Mm-hmm. He was like, you investing a man to me. So anytime I feel like it, you know what I'm saying, then he did the gun thing to his head. Mm-hmm. So then you could tell, like, you you know, his, char- his character really was like, oh, shit, like, this dude really don't give a fuck. But yeah. I think that that was more of a jealousy thing, because like I say, Q was the only one that really seemed like out of the four people that had a future, not even really a future, but had something going on. Bishop didn't have anything going on for himself. Mm-hmm. So, so after that school scene, okay, so you, you went through all that stuff. So then this is what I heard that there's an alternate ending of the movie. And so, you know, he, he goes over the ledge and Q grabs him and he's holding him. He's like, hold on. And the alternate ending says, that he looks at Q and was like, you know, just let me go. You know what I'm saying? With the mind state of, I killed Raheem. You know, yeah, he's like thinking, because he don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is my way out. I killed Raheem. I killed I kill Steel. You know what I'm saying? I killed Ronamez. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to jail for life. Now, from what I heard, I don't know how factual this is, but it was, you know, it's a pretty good source of what I heard this at. That his dad, the reason his dad was like real quiet and didn't really say anything mm-hmm. was supposedly supposedly his dad was locked up for a very long time, mm-hmm. and you know you know the shit that we hear about prison. Right. That's why Ron. That's why he flipped out when Ron and Man said that his dad was gay, yeah. or at least like dick or something like that because yeah, it had something he, to do with going to jail. He turned around and he called him a maricon. Yeah. Yeah. So. They saying that his mind state when he told Q to let him go was, look, I killed these three people. Mm-hmm. I can't experience what my dad experienced in jail. Mm-hmm. So just let me go. Supposedly, that's the alternate ending of Jews. And that was his mind state of just let me go because I'm going to go to jail for life. My dad's already been to jail. Look how fucked up he is. Mm-hmm. I can't let that be me. So just let me go. Right. But that's what that's what the word is. I, I don't know how factual it is. I've never seen it. I've never mm-hmm. seen an alternate ending. But, you know, these people, and, and as a matter of fact, I think I think it was Omar Epps. I can't remember which interview it was that he was the one that saying that that was the alternate ending was. Right. And that's what Bishop was thinking when okay. he was saying, just let me go. So I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there, man. Just, just hey, information. That's something to check out, man. That's something to really check out, man. So, um, now that we, you know what I'm saying, got through the breakdown of the movie, man, um, you ain't got no questions about anything. You ain't got nothing to worry you, well, you know what I'm saying, you just said about the alternate ending, but besides that? Uh, nah, I mean, I don't, man, it's, it's just, it's just one of those movies, man, where it's just, and I, and I'm gonna be honest with you, dude. I thought I thought I had it. I thought I had it on on, on DVD. I know that sounds mm-hmm. crazy. I thought I had it, but I don't. So I didn't even get to watch it. Oh, okay. So, dude, this is all I yeah, haven't seen. I, I know <laughs> that's, that's why I said I had to I had to go back and watch it just to make sure. But um, for me, you know, what I'm saying my only question is uh, why every movie still in man, he got to fucking cry. I'm sick and tired of seeing this nigga cry in every movie, man. That's my only thing that I was worried about. Well, I mean, he's a good crier, man. But but I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no. I'm gonna tell you something though. The best, I don't, man. Man, Denzel, 
You you name all these people. Nobody cries better than Derek Luke, man. He's the best. He's the best crier. Man, man, and Anquan Fisher, when he did that, and when he did uh, that Madea go to jail, when he was a lawyer, when he was crying on that bench. Man, Derek Luke just make you cry, man. Cause this shit be so authentic, it be so real, and he, right. it be so much emotion. And you know how your voice change when you. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying that you know you, you were talking about how still be crying, always crying in movies, and I was just saying that like he's a good crier, but like ain't nobody got nothing on Derek Luke, man. Derek yeah. Luke, but he he give you that emotion that's something something is deep down in that man. So like that's not acting, like that, that's something something there. But not, but I, you know, I didn't even really think about it. But like I say, you know, Steel was the one, you know, I don't know. I guess Steel could be more emotional and more vulnerable because, you know what I'm saying? He had the, the you know, the two parent home and the brother and all that type of stuff. And it just seems like he, he just cared about more shit. Cause like how mad Steel was when they broke that vase. He was like, man, I got to explain this shit to my mom, man. Like, yeah. you know. Still, still had to deal with real repercussions. You know what I'm saying? It seems like the rest of them didn't have to deal with it. So I guess that made him more vulnerable to cry or something. I don't know. Right. But lean on me different though, man. Come on, man. He was a, he was a crackhead at that. And how can you be in high school? Man, still look like he was like 12 and lean on me, man. Hey, man, he was, he, what, what did Joe Clark tell him? You, you smoke that stuff, don't you? He's like, man, he's like, you smoke crack, don't you? You're like, just jump. <laughs> Took off. I mean, this dude was 
everything, dude. He had, he like, was in he was in Juice Higher Learning. He was in uh, he was in uh the program. He was in the uh, wood. He was in the wood. He was in the mod squad. Oh, he was. I in, forgot about that. Um, the mod squad was trash though. It was, it was. But I mean, he was in it though. He was in uh, one uh, one of the hood lads, uh, uh, and too deep. Yeah. Um, I mean, dude, he was he was just he was just in everything, man. And 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 oh, he was like you. Oh, never mind. I'm thinking of Makai Pfeiffer. I was about to say he was in O, but that was Makai Pfeiffer. Yeah, that was, but that was a good ass movie. Yeah, that was a good movie. That was really oh, good. good ass movie. That, that's one of the un, a, a very underrated movie, man. Yeah. And and even 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 when he cried when he, when his shit got fucked up, he he, he a good cryer too. He, yeah, he, he is. Yeah. McCaffrey was a real good cry. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, he you know, man, all times it paid in full. But when he was sitting there crying about his brother getting kidnapped, mm-hmm. and he was like. He said it. <laughs> the, he, I think, no. I think that was the that was the second best crying scene to uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. in Boys in the Hood. That was the greatest crying scene ever. Yeah, because he was sitting there, and, and it's something that, that they made it a meme. Because I seen it as a meme. It was like, man, is there anybody that owes me money? Man, hey, uh, that shit was hilarious, man. Oh wait, see you laughing at that. Well, yeah, they made that a me too. I'm talking about they made uh when he was in the car with Ace, um, yeah. and he was saying that he was like, is there anybody that owe me money? He's like they're fucking dead, and like somebody <laughs> made it a me, man. I think it was about uh like somebody betting somebody off of a game or something, yeah. and like, and, and I was like that's fucked up, man. I like, that's fucked up because people, I don't think people really, run, but. If the internet don't give a shit. That shit was real. That was yeah, real. That really happened. Like his that, that little boy really got kidnapped and really mm-hmm. got they really chopped pieces of this boy up and yeah, mailed it. Niggas forget that was based, that was Alpo in them. Yeah, that was Alpo in them. Like they made an American gangster about this shit. Yeah. Like that that shit really fucking happened. And it turned out to be the boy's damn uncle that set the whole damn thing up. Yeah. But um but yeah, that's a whole nother thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that just for what it kicked off for Omar Epps, you know, what it kicked off for, uh, you know, Tupac, but Tupac had his music thing too. But yeah. I think that, but at the same time, I don't think Tupac probably would have got like, you know, game related above the rim, mm-hmm. you know, and shit like that if it wasn't for Juice. Right. Um, but it, you know, it really didn't do a huge thing for Steel. And right well, he, like you said, he was already established, and Khalil Kane was too. They already was in movies, so by that time, it, it really didn't even matter for them. Yeah, and, and and I don't think it really did anything for Sam because Sam was already. Yeah, you Sam, know Sam saying? was doing Sam was doing joints with um with uh, Spike Lee. Yeah, so and, that was uh, yeah. So what you rating yeah. this thing, man? What you rating this thing, man? And are, are you serious? Dude, I just sat here and did this movie without seeing it in like a year and a half. <laughs> man, this is a fucking five fire flame, man. You, you gotta ask five me. Five, man. Five. Alright, man. Okay, so you got five. I'm gonna give it four and a half. And the only What's the half? Gonna, What's the half? Only reason I'm gonna give it four and a half, man, is because 
of uh it was a few scenes in there where it was horrible acting. Rider Man's was a horrible actor. I don't like uh I didn't like Steel Crying and um what was what was the dude he was talking to in the thing when he was asking him did he get the skins? He was horrible, man. Them three them three things I gotta take a half with half of Firefly. Okay. So I give it four okay. and a half Firefly. And let me rebuttal as in saying that it was a very low budget movie. True. And they couldn't like, and, and then because you got to think about when when you don't have as much money, the takes are shorter. Mm-hmm. You can't. You know what I'm saying? The the the, the what do you call it? The as far as because I think I think he said that they shot that movie. Oh man. I want to say it was six, I, I want to say six months. You I said think. six months? I think. It, it, it didn't take them long to shoot it. Yeah. And um, so with that, see, the reason, if okay, put it this way. One of the main reasons I gave it a five is because if they would have got a budget of like $15 million and we got the same product, yeah. Or twenty, or thirty, or whatever. Whatever's a big. Well, this is what people got to also understand. It came out in ninety two, so right. fifteen million dollars in ninety two for a film is probably like forty or fifty now. Right. You know what I'm saying? So just for for people to get the like, man, that's still a lot of money. But like in ninety two, like they only got like five million dollars or whatever, and then it was you know, so they didn't have as many takes. And then I'm thinking that. They just really pulling these dude. You gotta, you gotta realize, dude. They, they pulled Omar Epps off the street. He never been in a big film before, right? So you're gonna have a few people, you know what I'm saying? That's just well, around. They got Omar, little small Omar thing. His part great. Tupac played his part great. Still played his part great. I just don't like when he cried. And, I mean, everybody else did their thing. I don't know. It just to me, Ryder Man just seemed like you. Either you, either he didn't know what he was doing, or you could tell it that's his first acting gig. And then with the dude that he was talking to in uh, at the pool hall, it was the same thing. It was just like they just didn't fit in them in them scenes to me, man. Like you could tell, like they was either getting lines fed to him, or they was like every other scene cut line, and then you know what I'm saying they was writing it that way. But that's just that's just me. I mean, other than that, four and a half fire flames, man. Maybe if they would have got what's my man? I can't never say his last name. John um oh, Leguizamo. Yeah, if they would have got yeah. him to play Rodman. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? That that would have. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because yeah, Rodman was a little. He was a little wet behind the ears, but um, but yeah, I mean, respect for the half is still fucking. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was, it was still a, it was still a great movie, man. Like we said, you know what I'm saying? It's a classic. And I mean, you you can't take that away from it. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, man, I think that's it, bro. Yeah, man, that, that's all I got, man. It, it, God, it's just amazing. It, it's crazy how that movie just stick in my head the way that it does. I've seen it so many fucking times. Yeah. And I can sit here and go from front to back and haven't seen that movie. I can't tell you the last time I watched you. <laughs> I, I, I tried to find it like I, you know I went on Netflix I didn't see it and I went on Hulu and I didn't see it and then I was yeah. like I, I was like man I know this movie man I was like I don't even need to watch it right, I was like right. it's just it just it, it's not that many movies that are like that for me and Juice right. is one of them and that's why I was so excited to do it because I've been wanting to talk about Juice in depth for a very long time 
Yeah, man. Well, I think we covered, you know what I'm saying, some pretty good ground. Um, but to be honest, that's one of them movies that you could really just talk about for hours on hours, man, because it was it was just one of them things that we can all relate to, you know what I'm saying, growing up as kids and having friends like that. So I think that was a super dope movie, man. Um, but, you know what I'm saying, the end is here. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying, like we said, man, go check out Juice. You know what I'm saying, if you ain't seen it in a long time, go sit back down and watch it. You ain't going to be... Uh, you won't be disappointed, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you ain't never seen it, please go see it because that's one of those movies that uh, you you won't regret seeing. You know what I'm saying? It's one of the movies that you can watch, like he said, over and over and over again, and it feel like it's the first time every time you see it. Um, but with that being said, man, I'm Scoots Bronson. You can follow me on Twitter. You can also catch uh, my other podcast, Already Home, and 15 Minutes of Fame. They all on your favorite podcast platforms, and uh, that's all I got, man. Yeah, man, and I'm uh, S. Foster, and you can catch uh, the Stolen Time podcast, which now I'm still having technical difficulties with that. Um, so as of right now, it's still just on SoundCloud at the moment. Um, I'm still still working on that, man. I I've hit up SoundCloud, I hit up Anchor, they both hit me with the same message. As of you know, it's it's gonna take some time for us to get back to you and all this type stuff. Okay. But um. So uh, go go check that out on uh, SoundCloud. You know, you can get the link on the Stolen Time uh, podcast page on Facebook. Also, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Foster and then the number eight. Um, just drop the new episode. So we, um, so we hot out here. Yeah, man. And I want to say, you know what I'm saying, it's our first video, too, man. So, you know what I'm saying, be checking it out for other videos. You know what I'm saying, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page. Um we gotta figure out how we're gonna do that. We're gonna do a uh we're gonna do a separate YouTube page or what? What's up with that? Uh as of right now, uh just you mean it as far as your school's Bronson page or you created yeah. a you would uh, I mean we could probably create one later. Well you could just just go ahead and put it on the uh the, the school's Bronson page. That'd be cool. And then yeah, I'll I'll, out- I'll share it from there. Yeah, y'all check out um the, my my YouTube channel, Scoots Bronson or Scoots Bronson TV. Y'all go check that out. Uh, the video is gonna be up as soon as the episode drops. I'll be trying to edit it at the same time, so hopefully that works out. Um, and uh, man, that's it, man. Appreciate y'all for listening. You know what I'm saying? Thank y'all for watching. And uh, this is Viewers Anonymous, man. We up out of here. Peace.